We're in a series called Seeds. And this is actually the, the, the final part of that series. And in the first couple, just to kind of recap where, where we started from, we said in, in, in the first uh, for part one, we talked about how God basically orchestrated systems, how he, he planted, here's the earth, and, and the earth was out void, and, and, and he creates with his words, and then he planted the seed, which was Adam, and then out of Adam, he gave him dominion and authority, and then he gave him the garden to tend, and he said, Adam, I want you to extend my garden. And in Genesis, the, the Garden of Eden was an archetype of kind of what the kingdom of God is, what Jesus ushered in. As we read in the New Testament, it's a form of extending the garden. And we said that God gives us uh, authority through the power of a seed. So if you have a need, you plant a seed. So we talked about the different types of seeds that you can sow. And we all know that not all seeds are good seeds, correct? We can sow some bad seeds. And then in, in part two last week, we learned how not only do you need good seed to bear fruit, the kind of fruit that God wants to extend the kingdom, but you also have to have good soil. And so we, we, we read uh, the gospel accounts, the parable of the sower, which I like to call the parable of the soils, because it's our response to the word of God, which brings us to part three. And this is one that I think, I think there's going to be a lot of freedom today. There's going to be a lot of freedom today because this is one that I think every person in this room has a tendency to struggle with. And it's that part where the breakthrough hasn't happened yet. It's the part where the seed's in the ground, you've planted. Now, it's funny because when I look at weeds like the ones that are out in our parking lot right now, uh, those things, it seems like a drop of rain can come and all of a sudden you have a beanstalk weed this high. It's ridiculous how fast weeds grow. But yet, but yet it seems like when you're planting seeds, the good kind of seeds, it seems like it takes forever. And we learned that the, the response that we have, the soils that Jesus talked about, is the condition of our heart and how in any circumstance, in any area of your life where you uh, need a breakthrough... Uh, one of the things Jesus says is to check your heart, it's a heart condition, and check your response to that because there can be weeds on your seeds. And we want to get rid of those. So here's, here's some questions. And this is what brings the tension. How do we get from here to here as we watch that thing grow and it's, it, it seems like there's nothing coming out of the ground? What happens? Here's a few things that I wrote down. What happens? When? You've poured the word of God into your kids year after year after year after year. And there is absolutely nothing of God in them. There's no fruit that you see in them today. What happens when you're a tither and a giver? And the car breaks down. And the business breaks down. And the promotion breaks down. And you break down. What happens when you've invested time and energy and scripture into a crucial relationship? And the relationship goes south. They leave you. They hate you. And they hurt you. What happens when you've been standing on scriptures and in faith for healing? And the doctor's report gets worse. And the body screams, no, I'm not. The last thing you want to do is talk to God. What happens when you've invested time, energy, and prayer into finding Mr. and Mrs. Right? And it's always Mr. and Mrs. Wrong, wrong, wrong. What do you do? 
What happens? You've been coming to church? Wrong, wrong, wrong. You've been praying for your country and your city and your neighborhood, and it just seems to be getting worse. What do you do when it hasn't happened yet? I have one verse for you today. Uh, And as I was kind of praying about it, well, Lord, what do you want me to say? And this verse just came to mind. So I'm going to preach one verse, but in that one verse, I believe God has some power-packed things that are going to release something into you today. So I want to put up Galatians 6, 9 on the screen. Galatians 6, 9. And I want us all to read this together. I want us all to read it together. Ready, read. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In fact, I want to read that again with a little more authority because I think that you need to believe this. The more you say it, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's say it again and this time mean it like tomorrow it is going to happen. Mean it and say it and rip it and read it and let's go. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's not going through the motions. That's a breakthrough, ladies and gentlemen. It's happening. Okay? It's happening. Don't grow weary in doing good. What does that mean, Lord? What does that mean? Don't grow weary. Well, the first part of that verse, there's really three parts to this verse, but the first part of that verse talks about weariness. Weariness can come from unmet expectations, life storms. I'll tell you how the the modus operandi of our enemy, the devil, works, is he'll sow a thought into your brain. And then you'll camp on it, and you'll chew on it, and you'll speak it. And the next thing you know, it's happening. And the thing that you dreaded, the thing that you feared, all of a sudden comes upon you. Anybody experience that? You know, the worst happens. And so... Uh, the way to combat weariness is something we're going to talk about. But weariness is, is, is it's almost contagious. It's like uh, when, you, when you've been working in the nursery, when you've been, when you've been helping out and ushering, and you, you've, been, you've been doing all the things that God asks you to do. And I'm speaking to the, to the Christ followers here who are serious about their walk. And you're tired. And you've, and you've, you've, you've constantly asked that that child that just does not want to come to church. You've, you've asked them. You've talked to them about it. You've, you've done everything you can. And you, you're, you're still looking at that scene going, man, it's not there. You're tired. You're tired of constantly, day in, day out, working hard on the job, doing a good job, working to try to, to, to do the best you can. And the raises aren't coming. And what's the deal? You're weary, and you're serving, you're going above the extra mile, you're, 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 you're doing all the things, you're, you're reading the Word, and every time you read the Bible, it seems like in that season, the Bible just bounces back off you and you get nothing out of it. If, can I talk to some mature Christ followers here and understand that sometimes when you read the Bible, it's dry and dead? Can we be real? Sometimes it just doesn't feel, and I use the word feel because it's emotional, uh, I don't feel like reading the Word. I've heard Pastor Ryan talk about this 5,000 times, and I'm tired of hearing about it. I want you to understand that that's cautionary for you to, to understand in your heart that you may be in the season of weariness. You may be at that point where 
I've heard this, spoke it, I've talked about it, I've done every religious formula I know how to do about it, and I'm still stuck. But there's another part to that. It says, don't grow weary in doing what? Good. That's active. So weariness, the opposite of that, is energized, refreshed, and invigorated. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good and destroying the works of the enemy. The thing I have the problem with, the tension for me is, I know what to do, but my body doesn't always want to do what my spirit knows that it should do. And thus the tension. How in the world do I do what I'm supposed to do? I'm dry. I don't want to have a quiet time. I don't want to speak the word of God. I want to sit, eat donuts, and watch Call of the Wild Man. Anybody ever seen Call of the Wild Man? Turtle Man? Oh, it's a hoot. I mean, it's, it's, he, he sticks his hands. These huge turtles come in. I mean, it just, I'm thinking, they're going to eat his hand. It's just crazy. Taking on wild raccoons and stuff. Oof. Anyway, that's a, that one was free. Uh, but when you're in that season, okay, and we're going to get to that in a second, you're tired and you need to do good, but you don't know what, you're just at that point where you're exhausted. I want to read you a story of a preacher who felt maybe the way you feel. You have, you have served, you're working in church, you're doing, you're, you're, you know, those arise and build cards that we put out, you filled that out. You're, you're ready, you're available to serve. And by the way, we have those back at the Welcome Center, the Arise and Build cards. We have almost, Pastor Mary, wouldn't you say, every gift and talent that they may have, you can fill it out. And by the way, you should leverage that for the kingdom of God and church. Amen? So many of you have so many brilliant talents. Let's unleash them. Doing good is unleashing for the kingdom. If you take care of God's kingdom, his house, I promise you, this is a promise in the word, he will take care of your personal little kingdom his kingdom first amen read this story here may 5th years ago 1800s this preacher he says he preached in saint anne's was not asked to come back anymore later that night preached in saint john's deacon said get out and stay out next week goes to preach in saint jude's can't go back there either later the next week preached in saint somebody else's deacons called special meeting and said you cannot return the next week, preached on a street, kicked off the street. The next week, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. No bull in here, please. June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. June 2nd, afternoon, preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear me. His name was John Wesley. Perseverance. You don't think that he didn't think... I want to quit. I don't want to speak the word of God because nobody's listening. He was discouraged. He was weary. But he kept on. And he went about doing good. So here's the thing. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep attending church when nothing happens. Keep serving when nothing happens. Keep praying for the prodigal. Don't enable them, but pray for them. Even when you don't see the results immediately. Keep inviting your coworker to church who maybe you've asked a thousand times to come and they've said no. Keep helping those in need. Keep helping those who, who need it the most. The Bible says to not neglect the poor. Poor is an all-encompassing word. Your, your next-door neighbor may have billions next to him. He, your next-door neighbor may have billions. Do you know that there's an aspect of their life that they can be poor? We should also not neglect the financial poor as well. Amen? We need to have compassion. 
God has prepared for you all kinds of opportunities to do good. The battle is you have to overcome weariness in your mind. It's a decision, and it, it isn't easy. Okay, that's the tension. How do I not grow weary in doing good? Here's God's solution. I want to put up Hebrews 4, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. Hebrews 4, verse 10. It's a little thing. It's a little, a lot of times people don't understand what this verse means, but it's just power-packed. It says, for he who has once entered God's rest has also ceased from the weariness and pain of human labors, just as God rested from those labors peculiarly his own. Verse 11, let us therefore be, what? Zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves, that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. It's talking about the, the children of Israel. They, wa- they moaned and they whined and they complained. They got out of Egypt. God was so gracious to them. And it was, it was nothing but a complaint fest. I'm going to tell you, you will give momentum negatively to fear in every kind of yucky curse the moment you start that complainer and it just goes. It doesn't stop. It just wants to be fed and fed some more. It is the opposite of rest. It will feed your toil. Because you know what will happen? I've got to control it. I've got to control. You see, when we become weary, when we become weary, it's like taking that seed that you planted and you're saying, okay, God, I trust you. The word of God is planted here in this situation. I'm going to trust you for this. And you plant it. But then all of a sudden, the control freaks in us want to come in and kind of play with it a little bit. And, you know, mess, you know well, God, you need my help. You need my help to help that thing grow. And so all of a sudden we start doing things and it's kind of like a husband and wife thing. You know, uh, have you ever, guys, have you ever noticed that like if you forget something like that your wife might gently ask you and she's asked you five times, have you ever, what is your typical response sometimes? Excuse me. Sometimes it's like, okay, sweetheart, uh, you've asked me five times in five different ways. And uh, there's a little, little bit of tension there that, you know, I, I hear you, I understand, uh, but I just don't necessarily want to do that. And, and then all of a sudden, the emotions start. And then all of a sudden, that sweet petunia leverages her anger <clears throat> in such a way that all of a sudden, uh, it changes the atmosphere around the place. And when you storm off and throw a fit and all that, do you understand that that's control? Now, let me flip that around, guys. Uh, When we do the same thing to our wives, our significant others, what you're saying is, I want to control them. I want to make sure that they, because I know best, because see, I know better than God. So I'm going to create, manipulate circumstances, emotions, and environments around you for whatever it is to make sure that I get my way because, God, I know better. Now, we wouldn't say that, but our actions are saying that, right? So the opposite of rest is control. Uh, And when I say control, I mean uh, improper control, being a control freak. And don't tell me that some of you in this room, uh, you may not be a 
classical control freak, but don't tell me there's areas where you, you're a little freakish. I mean, you are. See, the Holy Spirit's just dropping it on you right now. You already know. You already know. And you know what? Guilty as charged, too. Uh, the Holy Spirit, though, wants to illuminate that. So how do we break that? We enter God's rest. It says to zealously pursue his rest. So how do we labor? When we labor, God rests. When God, when we give it to God, when we say, you know what? I'm done trying to control, manipulate, and fix this on my own. Then God goes to work. Control forfeits what God wants to do in that situation. That's tilling up the seed. It can be anything. And it's really subtle. And we really have to guard against that. Here's what I also want to say. Not somebody else's experience of God rest, but your own experience. You have to experience. My voice is just doing weird things today. Can I have some water? Does anybody have any water back there? I, uh, I have an illusion sometimes that I want to, to fix things, to, to make it happen. And sometimes what, what we have to do when we're just spinning like rats on a treadmill, we're thinking, okay, we've got to make this happen, we've got to make this happen. Have you prayed? No. Have you confessed the word of God? No. Have you gotten counsel? Wise, godly counsel? No. But I know, God. This is something we can all fall victim to. It is, it is cautionary. You need to be cautious about how you proceed. Rest denotes trust. Rest is sowing. Rest is something that when we are in Christ, you got to remember this too. We don't reap And I'm talking at large here. We don't reap what we sow when we're in Christ. We reap what he has sown. We reap what Christ sowed on the cross 2,000 years ago. So there's a rest for you to enter into. There's a peace and all the fruits of the Spirit that you can have at your disposal. So no matter what circumstance is coming against you, you can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross. That's the opposite of being a control freak. That's not to say that we don't need to shape our environments at times and we need to, we need to, uh, we need to do the right. I mean, God gives us order and structure and all of that, but there are times where we have to let go and let God. Cares leave when we enter his rest. When, when we were talking about healing earlier, I just talked to a gentleman right before church and he, you know, I, he asked to not use his name, uh, for a number of reasons, but he, uh, he was telling me, we, we prayed over him a couple of weeks, three or four weeks ago, and uh, unforgiveness, which is, you know, it's a biggie in a lot of us that we have to deal with, uh, but had been throwing up every day for a long, long time, just some, some stomach stuff, and uh, prayed over him three weeks ago and has not done that since, completely free, completely free. This should stir us up. But you know, here's the thing. Had he not been at church, had he not been around the people of God and stirring it up and entering God's rest, but trying to stew and toil and pop more pills without God, hello. He stirred it up. He got the word in him. He got around people that would, you know, it's contagious. All of a sudden, I believe God can heal. Do you believe God can heal? Do you believe God can heal? I believe God can heal. And everybody's talking it. They're feeling it. There's an energy about it. I believe God can save marriages. Do you believe God can save marriages? I believe God can do all things in Christ. Can you? And then all of a sudden, you just get around people. It's contagious. It's contagious. 
It says to be zealous to enter his rest. The things of God will not be toilsome when you enter his rest. It is exciting when you come across a total stranger and God get, drops a word of knowledge and you, all of a sudden you know exactly what they need. You have a word for them in due season. And man, something happens. And here's the thing about entering God's rest. You're not focusing on that seed that has not germinated. It hasn't blossomed yet. You're not focused on that problem. You're focused on God. You take care of God's problems and the people and the problems that he puts in your path with others. He'll take care of yours. He'll take care of yours. That's rest. There's a lot of times where people will get prayed for. I can remember I went down. I was in Maple Grove, Minnesota. My wife and I were living there. The pastor was talking about evangelism, about sharing Christ. And I went down and I said, you know what? I'm just not good at this. I went down, he prayed over me. I had had back and neck issues. I didn't go down for back and neck prayer. I'm driving home that night. Where's my back and neck pain? Gone. I don't go to chiropractors anymore. Praise God. I used to. Sometimes when we go about doing kingdom work and make a commitment to do the things of God, make a commitment to invite people to to Christ, to come to church, to to go the extra mile, to, to read God's word, when you make that commitment... When you enter his rest, it's not laborsome. It's the opposite of becoming weary. There is a waiting time. Look for God opportunities. Give somebody, you know what, it can be anything. Give somebody a kind word. It can be anything. I know that there's people that, you know, uh, planting seeds. You know, I'm so grateful for our kids and youth ministries here, catalysts and whatnot, because... Those are seeds that are going to germinate at some point in the future. It is a privilege and an awesome opportunity to serve in those areas. And you know what? My expectation for Life Church is, is that we can't keep people from serving. I mean, we have, to, we have to say, no, we have too many volunteers in our kids and youth ministries. Too many. Why? Because, man, everybody's lining up because there's something contagious going on down there. Do you not realize this is the future and the future is now? It's not next year. It's now. Invest in those kids. We have to care. How many times my parents, years ago, sowed a seed and it was just like sowing a seed. I mean, 14 years I walked away from God. I had been steeped in the word of God when I was a kid. Long stories and I don't want to get into it today, but I walked away from God for 14 years. Then one day after seed after seed of, hey, Ryan, you know, uh, I know you're not in church, but here's a book that I think can help you. And, you know, just, just slowly but subtly, and eventually I started reading that. Eventually, all of a sudden, one day, one day, and then suddenly, God hits, and a life's changed. What if my parents had grown weary in sowing the seed? I wouldn't be preaching to you today. I don't believe that because maybe God could have saved me. He could have. But I'll tell you what, somebody somebody had to sow a seed. Somebody had to say, I care. Somebody had to water that seed. Somebody had to come in and say, I refuse to allow him to stay stuck in a rut. Because I care. Somebody was probably weary. In well-doing, but they did it anyway. In due season. In due season, part two of that verse is, is, uh, is crucial. In due season, Israel spent 400 years in oppression to Egypt. I can't imagine 
slave drivers, taskmasters, just beating them into submission, telling them that, that, that they're worm dirt and, and, and eating stuff that is just unconscionable. I can't imagine the cries that went out to God. And God was forging in his time, he was building a nation. And here's the thing, one day, and suddenly, one day, he devastates the greatest nation on earth at that time, Egypt. Devastates them. Let my people go. No. Let my people go. No. One day, devastates them, and Pharaoh finally says, I relinquish. And the people of God were free. I want you to understand that in due season, it's coming. I want you to understand that God hears your cries. Don't play around with this. Don't say that's preacher talk. Receive it. Embrace it. Feel it. Enter his rest. Cast your cares and your control and your tendencies to fix it and give it to Jesus Christ. Because he cares. The Bible says you can cast your cares onto him because he cares for you. Don't live like he doesn't. Embrace the things of God. And yes, that means at times we have to seriously, seriously, seriously repent. I don't like to repent, do you? But I do like to repent because I know on the other side of it is a breakthrough that's coming, a breakthrough in your heart, a something great. The lie of the enemy is it says, well, you don't want to repent because nothing's going to, you know, it's going to be worse. Because our flesh hates repentance. But on the other side of that is the promise. God hears your cries. Due season, Webster's definition says this. Due means something that rightfully belongs to you. Season means a special period of time. Let's put that together. A special per- Due season is a special period of time when we shall receive that which rightfully belongs to us. Amen. So the promises of God are yes and amen. And there's one last part of Galatians 6.9. It says if we do not lose heart. And at this point, Paul is talking in Galatians. He's talking to the Galatians who really were very legalistic. They were, they were works-based theology. They, 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 they were trying to put the law when Christ set us free from the curse of the law. And in Galatians 6, 9, he's saying to them, you know, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Yes, it's a struggle. Yes, there's a fight. Yes, there's a real enemy. Yes, there there are trials, but he says, don't lose heart. And the reason he was saying this is because there's three tendencies that those Christians had that we have that will marginalize your ability to get great outcomes. And here's one of them, and it's the biggest one, I believe, and it's apathy. It's a who cares attitude. I want to stir, my heart for you guys is, is to stir it up. I mean, to to believe God for great things. But I want, I want you to understand this. If you have a need, sow a seed, but it's not about you. The outcome of that seed is about Jesus Christ and others. It's not about a, being a bless me club. It's about being a blessing. I want to stir up in you uh, expectation. I believe that you need to have for financial increase. And that's awesome. But put out of context, it can kill your life if you put that as a God before God. I want you to know that you have every right to prosper in every area of your life. In due season, it will come. But don't be a control freak and try to change all of that by doing it in your own works. Rest in the finished work of the cross. 
apathy listens to everyone else. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I'm tired. I've done that too many times. They don't appreciate me. They don't like me. You know what? You're going to hear those voices all the time in everything we do. You're going to hear that voice saying, oh, they don't appreciate me. They don't love me. We have to overcome that. How do you overcome that? God says to, let's go back to what it said about rest. Zealously pursue God's rest. If you're apathetic, that's a heart condition. So many of us, when we came to the cross and we saw the goodness of God, man, we dove in. We dove in. And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes in and says, well, you're weird. See, this is normal. This is normal. You can watch movies that you shouldn't be watching because that's normal. You, you, can, you can say things and, and cuss like a drunken sailor around all of your people. And, you know, I mean, that's not normal. Christ wants us to be a peculiar people to infect change in the world. He does not want us... We need to be setting the standard instead of culture, but we allow culture to set the standard in us. And that's a shame because they don't understand the true nature of the gospel. The transformative nature of the gospel is that when you begin to understand the power that's in you, you will change culture. You will infect them. All of a sudden, these divine opportunities will start popping start popping. Some of you have been apathetic. Rise up. Take back what is yours. The destiny that God gave you, the kingdom of God that he, he has for you, the plan that he has for you. The other one is comparison. I, this is one I think we all, we all struggle with at some times. Comparison can be, can be used for good, but at, at times it can be used for bad, and it's where you can lose heart is that you've been fighting that fight and you look at your brother, you've been praying for years for healing on something and then somebody else within one prayer gets healed and you go, well, God, that's not fair. I'm a little jealous. You've been working on, God, financial breakthrough for years and then you hear about your brother over here who gets a financial breakthrough and you get a little jealous. You see the mansion that he's in and go, God, I'm a little jealous. The Lord has a plan for each and every one of us. Amen? When you put your eyes on somebody else, you're not putting it on the cross. You are not resting. The last thing is fear. And in the Greek in that, it talks about having lacking courage. The Amplified, it talks about that last part of that verse, lacking courage. Fear. It's you've been so beaten down, so beaten up by life, uh, so many disappointments. God, why did this happen? You're asking why all the time. Instead of the real question, what you need to be asking is what's next? God, what is next for my life? You know, so many people in the Bible, read Hebrews 11, those who overcame, those who stood, those who were beaten. And, and I mean, it's unbelievable the things that they overcame. And they had so much joy. All of this is to shape all of the seeds. And this brings the whole series full circle. All of this is about building fruit of the Spirit in your life. While you're getting through the getting through, God's building love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and meekness and faithfulness and self-control. Those fruits of the Spirit are going to come into your life. And then out of that, as you become more compassionate 
as you become more faithful, as you become more peaceful, as you become more meek, which is humility, as you, as you begin to demonstrate patience. I hate patience. Anybody hate patience in here? Microwave? All of these fruits of the Spirit that I mentioned that you can read in Galatians 5, God is building character to, to, to help you in the times of trial. I have a friend. I'm closing at this point with a, a testimony of a friend of mine. I'm gonna, I want to say this. I met him in 2001 when I first came back to God. And I just started church, and I didn't, I didn't have a clue about what church life was like. And, uh, you know, went to a church here in town, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I've got a lot of issues, and I don't know what to do. And so this, this particular man... Jim Otten, who's here, uh, he just listened, he just listened, and he kept listening. And, you know, little by little, patient by patient, you know, he, he was able to help me through some, some, some really tough things. And I really am appreciative to him for that. Over the last 11 years, Jim has faithfully served in a number of capacities uh, in, in the sound ministries in his churches that he's been in. And I've known him for the last 11 years. And, you know, his life story has not been easy. He's lost jobs. He's been... Anybody in here understand the pain sometimes that, you know, in this economy, when you lose a job, that fear can set in. You know what? It's hard when you don't have a job and week in. And I watched him week in, week out, come in and serve. Week in, week, in, week out, run and sound. Week in, week out, God, you know, Hard. Kept serving, kept serving. And that is the heart of the matter, is to not be weary in doing good. That means when all else fails, Jesus doesn't. Go to his house, serve his house, his ways, use his word, and he will change your circumstances. Jim is, would be the first to tell you he's had, he's, he's, he's had a bumpy road. And in fact, uh, I asked him after last night we were at the Iron Man Steak Fry and he cooked up these steaks. I said, man, these are, these are great. Should be a chef. <laughs> Actually, he, he, he's always had a passion for cooking, and it's with that I want to bring him up. Jim, would you come up? For those of you that know me, there are some things in my life that I'm very, very passionate about. I love, I love God, I love my family, and I really love food. <laughs> I mean, I haven't met anybody that doesn't like good food. But, you know, over the years, people have said, well, you know what, you guys need to, you need to start a restaurant. You need to start a restaurant. You know, and you're like, okay, yeah, it's a great idea, but there's a 90% failure rate. Okay. And like Pastor Ryan had said, you know, I didn't understand why I failed as a stockbroker. And everything that, that I've walked through over the years I've all, you know, sometimes Satan does a real good job about beating you up, you know, going, okay, you know what? You deserve this, you know, because you did this. This is why, you know, you lost your job or you're struggling or all this other stuff. It's not always true. Okay. When God says no, it doesn't mean no, not ever. Sometimes it's no, not now. Okay. In everything that I've gone through, I've tried to learn something, tried to pick something out of it where God has moved me on, okay? And everything has, it's just done that. And then 
this last stint where I was unemployed, okay, my father-in-law, he's an extremely God-fearing man. And when he talks to you and challenges you, you have to stop and listen, okay? And there's not been very many times in my life where he's done that to me, okay? He did that to me. He goes, why don't you start a restaurant? And I went, again, the statistics, 90% failure rate, yada, yada, yada. I'm not a trained chef. And, you know, he goes, yeah, so? And I went, okay. <laughs> you know, so I got started looking about it. On Craigslist, found a restaurant that was for sale. Met with the owner of the restaurant. Looked really cool. Talked about it with the kids. My my kids were in culinary school at the time. It was a classic opportunity. Going in cheap, not a lot of overhead. Uh, worked out really well. I wanted to meet with him the second time because I was going to propose something to him. God didn't give me a chance to back out of it because I had forgot to put let's meet next week. And he goes, I'm free this afternoon. So I went in and met with the guy and said, well, you know, would you be interested in doing this? He goes, yeah, I'd, I'd give that some consideration. That was in January, February. So everything fell by the wayside because I took a job. Okay. Uh, God gave me the job because there was stuff I still had to learn about myself yet. Um, two weeks ago, sitting over here, uh, three rows back, God said, it's time. I went, what? It's time. I walked out of the service and told my wife, I said, Doreen, it's time. I said, now's the time. We're going to do it. And she's looking at me going, like, are you nuts? I was like, no, I, I can't tell you why. I can't tell you how. We're going to do it. I emailed the owner of the company. Six months later, haven't said a word to him. Are you still interested? Yep, I'm interested. Like, sweet. So I go, okay, you know what? I'm just going to throw something crazy at him. And this was Friday. Um, I shot him an offer. Cuts my payments in half from what I had originally wanted to propose to him. Going back to the point that Pastor Ryan was making, don't grow weary. Don't give up. Thank you. Amen. He sowed a seed. It bore some fruit. It's reciprocal. We're all in this together. You've been beaten up, battered, bruised, whatever it may be, that, that trial. It's due season. It's due season. You're going to reap that harvest. The same God that can rebuild dreams, heal relationships. That you're the same God that can do all of these things in due season. And that we can cast our cares onto you. We can rest, not worry, because in due season, it all comes full circle. From the promise... To the provision. I declare this now. In Jesus' name, amen.